Breakups are often the symptom of problems in a relationship. My workbook series, The Knowledge, is focused on helping you change your life in four key areas. Retaining the information that I teach, personal growth, improving your relationships, and of course, reattracting your ex. Available now at AskCraig.net. Hi there, I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And today we're going to be looking at what creates an avoidant attachment style. This is a subject that probably many of you guys have been thinking about or wondering for a while. When you come to my channel and you start to hear about attachment theory for the first time, it can be really overwhelming and confusing. Mm -hmm. But once you start to put the pieces of the puzzle together, it will explain not only why you are the way you are, but why your partner is the way they are, your parents, your friends, your siblings, your co-workers, right. a lot of different people. So today, Margaret is going to be explaining what happens that someone tends to become an avoidant or have an avoidant attachment style. This is really helpful for you if you've dated somebody that has an avoidant attachment style or if you have one yourself. Yes, and some of it's painfully obvious, but it's, not, it's so obvious we, we overlook it. All right, the first thing I wanted to say is that there's some, our friend Susan Johnson, the, the lady from Canada, um, who has reviewed every study on earth, has talked just recently about reviewing yet another study. Uh, what they call a longitudinal study, mean, meaning that it goes over years um, mm. of people's lives. It's, it's several people and it's over years. It's not just sort of something random here and there. And what it shows is that people who have an anxious or avoidant attachment style as children will most likely have those very same styles as adults. Sure. Right, and we're not, we're not surprised. Um, one of the things that's become very, very obvious is we used to think that babies bonded with their mothers um, because mothers fed them. What we have found out relatively recently is that babies attach more quickly to people who interact with them, um, who coo at them, who play with them, who pick them up, who read to them, who do anything interactive, that even then it's that interactive connection that makes the difference. So mom can feed the baby, but if Auntie so-and-so is the one who plays with the baby, the baby's going to be quite interested in Auntie so-and-so as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. On the more avoidant side, um, they've also noticed that how warm the caretaker is. That would be really how warm, how welcoming. You know, I'm so happy to see you. Don't we all know some of those over-the-top people who, who address little ones with big, you know, spread arms and, oh, you're so cute and I'm so happy to see you today. <laughs> and what we're hearing is that that makes a big difference and that that's important to do. That kids like stuff that stimulates them. Yeah. And these are all little, little tidbits for us to be aware of. Um, and so we learn more and more. Um, and of course, I know you won't be surprised to hear that the more insecure you are as a little one, the more insecure you will be as a grown-up. Absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, it follows as the night the day. 
Um, not fair. Not, it's not fair. And remember, those secure kids get everything, right? Um, and the rest of us get aggravated and have to spend money calling us. Um, but that's kind of how it goes. You have to do what you can to fix it. But avoiding And talking about it is and critical. And talking about it is critical. You know, we, oft, we don't say that enough. No, we don't. Um, but really, that is how your brain heals. That's right. Is talking about That's it. That's right. Your brain can't process the feelings, but it can do wonders once you've said it out loud. And people have so many reservations about saying things out loud. Um, but, you know, knowing it and talking about it is half the battle. All right? And if we know what, say, contributes to avoidant attachment disorder, it gives us some clues of what to do to fix it. But I will go on, all right? Um, but if you stop to think about it, anxious attachment disorder doesn't really result from something that a caretaker does. It kind of results from what caretakers don't do, okay? It's kind of by neglect and accident more than, you know, direct, direct activity. But avoidant attachment, on the other hand, comes from some things that we do. We say something to a child at some point that's crucial and unfortunately not the right thing. And I want to be clear that I'm not blaming parents. All kinds of things happen. You could have six children. Mm -hmm. Your husband could be unemployed. Mother could be ill and have ill children. All kinds of things happen in families to keep it from being optimal. So please don't, don't think that I'm blaming people. Yeah. People do the best they can. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter what happened. It's just... If yeah. you understand what happened... Yeah, let's see if we can undo it. And then you can deal yeah. with it, okay? Okay, so it's unfortunate um, that it happens. If a child approaches a parent or a caregiver upset, frightened, sad, looking for comfort and security, and we don't give it to them, then we may have done some damage, certainly without meaning to, but we may have done some damage. So I'm just going to share with you a few examples I've heard in the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. This first one, I think, is ghastly. Um, the grandmother and grandson were attending the mother's funeral. How sad, right? The ch child, I believe he told me he was 10 or 11 at the time that his mother died from cancer. So his mother and he were in his house prior to the funeral. And he was crying. The grandmother said to him, stop crying, we're all upset. Wow. Okay? Wow. Stop crying. We're all sad about your mother's death. Wow. Now, what was the message to that little boy? Um, he's also in his early 50s, okay? And he's still telling me about it in one conversation on the phone. I mean, what a devastating um, thing happened that day. When what could have happened almost as easily is that grandmother could have said to grandson while hugging him, we are all sad, okay? And we're all going to miss your mother terribly, and we're going to support each other through it. That would have been a wonderful intergenerational um, healing thing to have done. Absolutely. But no doubt grandmother thought that you make kids soft if you encourage them to express their emotions, because that's what many, many people think, all right? So it could have been a growth and support moment, and unfortunately, it was an emotional disaster for this man. Mm -hmm. um, Stuck but, with him how many years later? Yeah, 40 odd, almost 40, I would say. All right, so that's, that's one of them. 
I'll tell you another one. This is a woman I worked with for a long time, and she came from one of the most abusive families on the planet. Um, so she had been angry a good lot of the time, but on this particular day, I remember for whatever reason she was dressed up and she did something or other to mess up her outfit. And her mother was angry at her and swatted her. So she went behind the barn in her house and she stamped her feet and she squawked and she had herself a regular old te temper tantrum, which sounded pretty healthy to me. She was smart enough to get out of the way but had her temper tantrum. But wouldn't you know that her mother heard her while walking away and then beat her again and said, you will never get angry again. Wow. Okay. So this is how you do it if you want the recipe. Okay. Now, what would be therapeutic for her? To be encouraged to be angry, to be told that she has a right to all of her feelings and to feel them and express them and put words to them. And there's no, there's no emotion that's bad. Not sorrow, not anger. Okay. Um, and here's a famous line that I've heard from I can't tell you how many people. Stop crying or I will give you something to cry about. You hear that one mostly from women. Um, so if a little girl got upset and for whatever reason, particularly dad, um, didn't think it was justified for her to be crying, he said, I'll give you something to cry about, which of course was a threat to hit. All right. Horrible. And that's how everybody took it. What the boys got is boys don't cry, and certainly big boys don't cry, okay? And what a terrible disservice we have done to men on that. Um, we've told men not to be sad. On that same topic, we have um, the princes in England, William and Harry. You will recall that their mother died, as we all know, Princess Diana, the wonderful Princess Diana. And they were told that they had to keep, as the British say, a stiff upper lip and that they would be, there would be no crying and no mourning. All right. Now, I think Harry was only 11 or 12 and William maybe 15, mm -hmm. um, something like that. And this was their mother. Um, and here's the real killer. Everybody in the world grieved and mourned Princess Diana but they were not allowed to. And within the last year, um, they got very upset about that and shared with the world, you may have seen it on the news, you may not have, but they shared with the world that a terrible thing was done to them, that they were not able to grieve, and that both of them had had many problems related to that, and that they were currently in therapy. Good for them. Isn't, don't you say good yeah. for them? Good for them. And I'm sure all the British military men who said, you know, we men don't cry, we keep a stiff upper lip. I mean, yes, you wanted to continue to function, but you have to be able to grieve when it's appropriate. But yes, good for them, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Kennedy family. You will remember the Kennedy family, John F. Kennedy and all those, those people, those wealthy people. Um, at the end of World War II, um, when JFK was fairly young. He had an older brother who was really the apple of his father's eye. And the older brother was killed in World War II. And there's a very poignant description um, of how they found out that he died, because remember it was in the, in the 1940s, probably the early 1940s. 
and they received a telegram saying that he had been killed in action. And the patriarch Kennedy read the telegram to the rest of the family and said there will be no crying and no mourning. He wouldn't want us to be sad. Okay? So it's very hard to beat this one. It's been modeled by many important people. You know, it's interesting that you say that. When, um, when my mom passed away, mm -hmm. one of the things that I would tell myself is that she wouldn't want me to be sad. Okay. And that actually made me feel better. Oh, good. Good if it worked. And she wouldn't want you to be sad. Yeah. But she wouldn't have told you you couldn't be. No, she wouldn't have told no. me I couldn't be. No, she was but, much more attached than that, yeah. Yeah, but my son was only two months old when she passed away. Right. And so, you know, I just focused on being there for him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's an infant. And, you know, so I was telling myself, you know, she wants you to enjoy your son. Yeah. She wants you to be a great dad. You know, she wouldn't want you to be sad. No. And so that helped me. That actually helped me. That's good. But she would have never said that. She never would have said, don't be sad. Um, she, no, she wouldn't have wanted you to be. And I think that's probably fair to say of many of the deceased, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but most of them would not deny us the opportunity to deal with the emotion, you know. Yeah. And you got through it. Yeah. Yeah. I had one young man recently tell me, that any time he was upset about anything, he was sent to his room. Now give me a break. If you stub your toe, if you drop your popsicle, I mean, good heavens. Wow. Any time he registered any emotion, he was sent to his room. Another guy explained to me that um, he was sent to his room if he registered any emotion and was told he was self-absorbed. Meaning what? You're so absorbed in your own thoughts or feelings that you're not paying any, paying any attention to us? He's a child. Okay? He's supposed to be self-absorbed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right? Um, so that would certainly teach him about having any emotions, wouldn't it? Yeah. Or if he even did dare have them, about showing them. Um, you know, and if you feel like you have an avoidant attachment style, or your partner did, share some of the things in the uh, d in the video comments absolutely about yes, why yes. why do you think you have an yeah, avoidant you what have? are some of the messages that you got yeah. or what what were some of the messages that you heard that your ex got that made them right. avoidant very good be curious very to see important. what you guys have to and say and once you've said it out loud you know you may feel better about entertaining that particular emotion now yeah if you've been told never ever to be sad and you've not been sad for the last 20 years it might be a huge relief to really realize that it's okay, all yeah. right? There's no bad emotion. Um, I, I'm thinking of a client I had um, who described a scene where she was standing in the front home of her house, I think about to go out with her mother. And she was crying and said she needed, I think, a drink of water before they left. And mother became furious and said, go away. And besides that, you always need something. You need too much, and I can't handle you. Dear Lord, right? Wow. What is the message to that child? I'm not glad you're here. I found you in the cabbage patch, and I shouldn't have looked. I mean, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm going to abandon you if you and, ask for too much. And if, Yeah, that's exactly right. If you ask for anything else, that's going to be the end of it. That's really what she said. Yeah, that was the message. Wow. So I think that's pretty helpful for people to understand what 
create yeah. somebody with an avoidant attachment Absolutely. style. That's how you do it. That's how it happens. Mm -hmm. And of course, we probably don't remember or connect the incident. But if you give it a little bit of um, said, I mean, I'll say to people, how did your family treat emotion? Some people look at me totally blankly, like, are families supposed to deal with emotion? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? um, so well worth thinking about. Absolutely. Okay. So hopefully you, you found this to be helpful in understanding avoidance a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, we'll talk about it again in future videos. When you want to get our help personally, just go to my website, AskCraig.net. Sign up for the coaching option that works best for you. I do emails and I do Skype. Margaret is also available for Skype coaching. Yes, feel free to sign up with me. I'm enjoying it. Make sure you put a like on the video and subscribe to the channel. That way when you know when the newest videos are coming out. But that's it for this video. I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And we will talk with you soon.